The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Now more than ever, we are committed to raising up the greatest generation of disciples that this world has ever seen. Invest in the future of the faith at awana.org slash more than ever. Here we go. This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast. I'm Ross Cochran, and I thank you for listening. So it's hard to believe, but we actually started this podcast in the beginning of 2020. And I don't know what you were doing in January of 2020, but that feels like 100 years ago to me. You and I don't really know each other, but I can bet that the way that the coronavirus has impacted your life has sometimes been really challenging. Don't get me wrong. God is still on the move, and I'm so grateful because each and every week I get to share stories about the impact of resilient child discipleship around the world. However, sometimes this work is hard. I spoke with Kirsten Hitchcock about this challenge, particularly how we as parents and loving, caring adults get past our own anger, disappointment, or frustration in order to get to the point that we can actually help our kids and our communities. Kirsten's a colleague, and I'm so grateful for the wisdom that she shared in this conversation. But if nothing else, I hope you hear two working parents who are trying to figure this all out with our kids just as much as you are with your kids. We're in this together, and I thank you for listening to the Resilient Disciples Podcast. Are there comparisons from an actual expert perspective to what kids are experiencing right now simply because of COVID and kids who we would be able to recognize have gone through more traumatic experiences like divorce, grief, um, or any sort of other kinds of trauma because trauma is a whole separate podcast. Right. Right. Totally. I think so. If you... If you were to hear a definition of trauma, at least from my perspective, it's talking about what a deeply distressing experience that sets like your threat response system into high alert and thinking, I have to protect myself. I need to make sure, oh, this doesn't happen. It's the worst case scenarios, sure. right? That's your body's going in high alert. Well, frankly, with this pandemic and depending on how the people around you are responding, you are probably experiencing a very traumatic event. Like this is a traumatic event because it throws everything you know out the window. It takes everything that you had control of and takes it away, right? All of a sudden, we, we don't have the ability to freely go places because of safety. Like you have to start thinking about safety for yourself, safety for your family, where that wasn't maybe at the forefront of your mind right? to say, oh, I need to constantly be thinking about what I could be bringing home to my family. You know, um, I think when I think about what's happening within COVID, with the COVID pandemic, with um, how this is, is traumatic, if you're looking at it from a distressing event that causes you to be on high alert, that's what's happening. Right. And compare that to say divorce or loss of a loved one and such. I think a common factor in that is shock. Oh, sure. You, you don't know the answers. You, and a lot of times that's how it is for in trauma, in divorce, in loss. 
like you just, you have so many questions and you don't have any answers. So you're in complete shock. Your lack of control, right? Like the, your handholds for control are gone. Um, and then you could people flip kind of two different ways. It's either you become controlling of everything you possibly can think of around you in which your family and friends are going to experience you very differently when you're super controlling or you throw your hands up and you're like, I'm done. Can't do right. anything. Now that's a defeat, like a defeatist victim mindset. That's not what I mean. I don't mean you sh- like, but that's the spectrum, right? It's uber controlling or I give up. Yeah. You and people are listening. There's no, yeah. Cause people are listening. There's no exactly where they fall within that spectrum as you lay right. it out. They're going to think through that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm falling right here. I think part of it is we need to be looking more towards the middle. It's like find things you can control, even if it's simple as much as like I get to choose um, if I would like this to drink or this to drink. Like that seems really odd. But for kids, especially like giving them choices to help them feel like, oh, I do have a say on something helps them feel more grounded. Right. Yeah. And from the other spectrum of giving up, it's like, no, no, no. There are things that we can find that are joy filled. Yeah. So that, like I talked about earlier, I think, um, yeah, just, just the shock of it. I think some for, in my experience with divorce, like it was a complete shock for my family. Now looking at others, it's, they may have seen signs that that's where it was heading. So maybe it wasn't as shocking, but for them, the, the, what came out of that, like when it, when it happened and then all the changes could be shocking. Absolutely. Right? And, and people it's like will, every day, this is evolving. Right. And people will have experienced this really with the pandemic, right? Because mm-hmm. your point, like there is no going back. And I think people who want to push back against that, like I, I sort of give, the example of like, we all take our shoes off when we go to the airport now. Right. And mm-hmm. like the ripple effect of going through this pandemic and the universal experience this has been like, there's no, mm-hmm. even if other areas look the same, there's going to be a new lens on them because of this experience we've all gone through. Looking back on just life experiences, what I've done in work related and such, um, and when I did my education and it was realizing that um, I had a deep passion for helping hurting people. Right. And so I wanted to help hurting kids specifically with divorce because that was part of my, my story and my faith story. Uh, divorce is a major point in it. Um, and so with that, I, my life experience was child of divorce. Then I went on to school and in my grad studies decided I really want to help family spiritually. So I did Form, spiritual formation for kids and families, but I focused on the root of divorce and how it changes a child's sense of being and their place in the world and looking at it from a spiritual perspective. So looking at it from a Christian perspective sure. of how does that affect their faith journey and how they see God and how they interact. And so having done an internship and research in that area of study, and then I actually was a grief and divorce care director at our church for several years. Um, and so being able to help, help kids who were grieving the loss of a loved one, either due to death or divorce, we had two separate ministries for that. Um, so in the midst of that, like trying to help them cope with emotions, cope 
not just cope with emotions, but cope with their new reality, cope with, um, how do I handle certain situations now that so-and-so is gone? Right. Um, and then how does that affect either their current relationship with God or maybe they don't have a relationship with God. And so talking about where is God in the midst of their mourning and loss is what I got to do with kids. Um, I got to do that with kids and teens in my current role is now curriculum and content development for kids ministry for, um, through Awana that now it's really informing me how I ask questions, sure. how I write tips, um, how I, um, yeah, just how I write and help the continue to put God's word at the forefront and also looking at it from a lens of how does God care for me? Yeah. And you use a word there that I think is really important, which is where you talk about reality, because Mm -hmm. one, we're living through this COVID reality, which we'll talk about in a second, but also that I think too often we wind up sort of getting wrapped around the axle with the thing that happened, right? That this divorce happened. It's the event, right? the event. event. And now it's when I look at, so it wasn't until probably a few years ago that I realized how I described my story and my faith journey it was like the peak of my journey was divorce, was the divorce. Oh, wow. And I realized as I was going through it and dissecting it more, it's like, I'm really codependent. Yeah. So I needed to like dig deep of like why that was. And as each time I would share part of my story, my, my group would say, Kirsten, what I'm hearing is you keep saying that the divorce was the peak, but really look at all these subs like eight sub things that happen, that is really what you're dealing with. It's not the divorce. It's you're dealing with all of the changes that happened after. And that's really what you're, what you're working on and what you're coping with. It's not like the divorce was the whole thing. It was like, no, there were these other pieces that came out of it. It was, you know, mistrust now. Like I was dealing with the fact that I felt like I wasn't told the whole truth. I, you know, I had to, you know, you had to deal, I had to deal with things that I categorize in a really big event. Like I made this event so much bigger than it was. And now looking back, it's, Oh, that was, that was a cat. That was a big event in my life, but it's not as large in, in the scheme of what, what happened. That's what's happening here. Like this is huge. Like it's affecting everyone. And yet what's coming out of it is your personal issues are popping out from how you are responding to the pandemic. Yeah. And that I think is what's scaring people. Absolutely. They're like, no, I want to go back because I didn't have to deal with this. <laughs> I didn't have to deal with my junk because now it's been revealed how I actually respond in crisis. Yeah. Like people can now see, I don't like, I don't like this being taken away from me. I don't like, like you start to realize in some ways, like our, our really ugly side can come out. Yeah. And how do we deal with that? Yeah. And I think the the reason we started the conversation where we did, right, is because it's about people first acknowledging the, that this is a crisis circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think about when this started and there's all these, you know, all these memes being like previous generations were asked to serve, you know, go to war and we're asked to watch Netflix, right? Like, and, and ways of sort of playing down our circumstances because there's a level of comfort for a lot of people, yep. not everyone, right? But there's a level mm-hmm. of comfort associated with how we have to respond to this pandemic, but that it is a traumatic experience, that it is a crisis. And Mm -hmm. 
we have to start by acknowledging that. But I want to ask you this question because, you know, so many people who listen to this are parents, but why do we have to deal with our own junk first before we can be effective with kids? Because, you know, when we get on an airplane, they say, put the oxygen mask on you before you put the oxygen mask on your kids. And I feel like you're saying a similar thing. Yep. Sequencing. Why does that have to happen first? Well, I mean, I just told you, like, it could, depending on your previous history, this could be like incredibly distressing to you, like what's happening with this pandemic. And so you have to look at yourself first. You have to look at as an affected person. Okay. So if I'm affected by this, which is everybody, you have to look at and you say, yeah, you got to put on your oxygen mask first. When you're feeling cared for, you will be better able to respond to your kids' needs, to those kids around you, to the people around you. And I don't want to, let's not undermine the fact that it is incredibly brave to ask for help. It's incredibly brave. And also it shouldn't take bravery to ask for help. So part of it is like, I'm naming that it is brave. And at the same time, I want to make it a reality that you asking for help does not show weakness. It's realizing you, yeah, you do have to care for yourself first. Otherwise you, you honestly, you're not going to be in the right mindset. You're not going to be in a place of the two main are, our two main needs as human beings are safety and connection. If you're not feeling safe or connected, there is zero chance you're going to be able to do anything for anyone else. Yeah. So you have to check in and be like, do I feel safe? Do I feel connected? If you don't, then you got to figure out what are the things that I need to do to, do I need to hear my spouse tell me like, I'm here for you. Do I just need to hear that? I, even if you know it, do you just need to hear the words? Is it to be connected? I just need to be able to sit with my family. Like I need to be in proximity with them. I need to like sit with them. Is it, I need to call a friend. Cause I just need them to be like, do you remember I exist? I haven't seen you in weeks. Do you remember I'm here? <laughs> like you need to know yourself. You need to yeah. dig deep on that. Because the thing about that, that I think is so important for people to hear is that this was a pre-existing problem for this community prior, prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Because oh, the, yes. the ability, you know, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of factors at play. I'm not judging mm-hmm. anybody who hasn't been able to take this time, right? But the ability for this community to recognize the need to take time, the need to evaluate their own health first, the need mm-hmm. to take care of their own junk first, when the stakes are as high as a global pandemic is really important for folks because I think there is a false expectation or even if it is an explicit expectation, it is a, it is a lie that folks put on this sort of Kidman community of, Hey, I need you to figure this out. I need you to figure Mm -hmm. out how to take care of the kids while I'm doing big church over here, or I need to figure Mm -hmm. out, or, you know, I need you to be on zoom for work and help the kids manage their zoom because I really need to focus on this meeting, right. Or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that folks need to start recognizing their limits, like you're speaking to and what, how they can begin to feel connected and safe. I love those two main distinctions because I think I've had this experience with COVID of, I am way more COVID cautious than a lot of my friend group. Mm -hmm. And what I've had to recognize is that safety of Mm -hmm. meeting outside instead of inside is, Mm -hmm so important that if I'm not respecting that, I'm not gaining any connection from being with them. I'm not feeling Correct. like it was life-giving. I'm feeling in such anxiety, even just something simple as hanging out with one other person. I want to eat mm-hmm. outside rather than eating inside. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I'm totally with you, man. Cause I'm definitely more COVID cautious. I would say, um, 
how you just related that or how you just name that for yourself to say, I realize, oh, wow, if I don't feel if I don't feel safe in that situation, there's zero chance that I'm going to actually connect with that person because all I'm going to be thinking about is like, what's happening right now? Right. What? Um, I'm probably getting COVID. What I've, if gotten COVID. At, I've gotten COVID 20. They, don't, they haven't even invented that one yet, but I still, that, that's what I got. Yeah. But you realize and you sit there and you think, wow, all my mind is racing on all the what ifs that I can't even be present with the person in front of me. And I think that's where you really, you need that safety first to get the connection yeah. and you have to have both. Yeah. And so once again, it's, it's not selfish. It's not selfish to care for yourself first. It's actually yeah. the most healthy thing you can do. And I know Kidman leaders, I was a Kidman leader. I was, I was children's pastor with you. I, we don't do this well. If you do this well, I, wow, I, I applaud you. It is, but it's really hard because I think a lot of us, we look at, we have to care for the needs of these kids. They're, they're kids. Like we yeah. have to care for them so deeply that sometimes we forget to care for ourselves. And yeah. therefore we just get in kind of this, um, we get in this rotation of giving, giving, giving to our leaders, to our kids, to all of that. And then all of a sudden you're going to get to this point where I'm like, yep, you're going to get burnt out real quick. We talk about this a lot, but I think in this time of massively slowing down, of not being so distracted with things, of um, realizing that I can choose right now what truly matters to me. Right. I think there's something freeing in that. Totally. And I think that's something that we need to recognize right now. Like you have an opportunity to recognize what is most important. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about one of my favorite organizations that cares about kids. For nearly 50 years, MOPS, that's Mothers of Preschoolers, has gathered and supported MOPS. My wife has been involved in MOPS, and they believe in the simple but radical idea that remarkable things happen when moms come together. MOPS has practical tools and resources to help all moms, not just moms of little kids, with all of their needs. MOPS partners with churches and organizations from around the globe to equip and encourage moms in more than 68 countries. This global pandemic has created an opportunity to gather moms everywhere, and that's why MOPS has started Mama Meetups. Mama Meetups are online communities of 8 to 12 moms who gather twice a month to share their lives and parenting journeys. You can find groups for moms of kids with special needs, working moms, blended families, teachers, first-time moms, and so much more. Mama Meetups are the place to be, and MOPS is excited to help moms connect all over the world in this new way. You can join a Mama Meetup, and you can reclaim your joy, strength, and courage like never before. MOPS is calling it a comeback, and you can visit mops.org to learn more. You would phrase this question to me. How do I, as a parent, get past my own anger, disappointment, or frustration in order to get to the point that I can help my kids? And I love that question. I was trying to figure out how to shorten it so it could be the title of this episode. I love the language of get past because I feel like there's this expectation that I need to get over COVID. Mm -hmm. It's not a thing. Right. But how do you begin to define getting past 
your own anger. So I think you and I had talked about just like, what's the difference between getting past and then getting over. And I think getting past is inviting yourself to deal with your emotions. <laughs> getting past means you actually went through it. Yeah. Getting, getting over them means ignore your feelings, stuff them down and move on with life and move forward and such. What I would like to say, if we're thinking about getting past our emotions, it's talking about actually dealing with them. It's talking about, um, I, I would rather, rather than use the phrase, get past or get over as I've been reflecting, I would rather say like, how can I actually feel my emotions and then move through them and learn from them? Yeah. Cause it's not going away. Your anger is not going to go away. Your frustration, your disappointment, it's going to come in waves. It's going to continue to happen because you're mourning, you're grieving, you're losing stuff all the time that you, you, you get. So for instance, in where we live right now, um, kids are in school, then they're out of school. Kids are in school. Then they're out of school. Oh, this classroom shut down. Oh, we are going to all online learning. So if you think about that from a parent perspective and from a kid, you're excited. Oh, the kids are going back. They're going to see their friends. This is amazing. They go. It's amazing. It's incredible. It feels like COVID isn't here, even though they're wearing masks, they're doing all the protocol, but it feels like, oh, we're returning to normal. And then in one day you get an email and say, oh, we have two cases. We're shutting down for two weeks. Oh, this sucks. This is terrible. I'm so mad. I'm so angry. Why is this happening? Ah. But how many of us name our anger, name our frustration, try and figure out why am I angry and frustrated? What do I have control of? What don't I have control of? Right. And then from there, how you are responding and reacting is how your kids are going to respond and react. It really is. They're going to see you setting an example, even if it's like all of a sudden you're really quiet all the time when normally you're very talkative, you, you talk at the dinner table and such, but all of a sudden you're kind of numb. You don't know how to respond. And so you just shut down and you're quiet and your kids are used to your talking to them and asking them questions about their day even if you're in the same house you still ask them about their day because their day was very different than yours right but in that there is there's a lot more grieving on the kid part than if all of a sudden i'm grieving the loss of how my mom was yeah see and that's very subtle and sometimes we don't realize it you don't recognize it so i think i i would well, rather have you get past or how do you get over it's more like how do i work through yeah how do i work through it so that i'm not constantly saying oh my kids are losing their childhoods we should just do all the things and forget it yeah like that's a that's like i'm at my wits end and i'm just throwing my hands up that's on that spectrum remember like we're on the like no we don't want to get that far because there is something to learn from this and there is a way that we can continue to encourage and still hope and joy in our kids. But we have to start with ourselves first. Yeah. Welcome back to feel your feelings with uh, Kirsten Hitchcock. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, re- really genuinely like the, it's so there's so much wisdom in what you said, because I feel like folks, there's sort of a conversation I feel that's coming out about like loneliness, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the UK oh, has yeah. a loneliness minister, right? Like there's like an acknowledgement of how, 
this thing that we've all accepted as normal actually isn't very normal. But I would hope that there's also a similar level of acknowledgement over anger because um, it's so critical what you said about how you respond, your kids are seeing and will respond in kind. Because if, even if it's not about COVID, even if it's not about the election, even if it's just mm-hmm. about how you are responding to troubles in your work, how mm-hmm. you, you, you're, you, the parent, are the primary influencer on your kid, good, bad, ugly, otherwise. And yep. taking the time to just name that does so much of that work. I want to ask you, because I think uh, maybe this is just me. Maybe this is just you being my therapist. Sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes what I think folks might wind up struggling with is the, the feeling of an emotion when there isn't a thing to be done about that. And therefore the value of that emotion. It's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> why, does it, why does it matter that I'm angry about COVID because I can't fix COVID? Mm-hmm. How do we validate our feelings if they're not actually going to result in changing of action? So what I would say to that is like, it may not be changing the action of the big thing, but you are directly changing the action of, of what you actually have control over, which is your home, your family, your work life. Like those are the things you have in your control, whether COVID has impacted those. Cause it has, right. you, you are the one that has control over how you talk to your kids, how you love your kids, how you care for your kids, how you care for your spouse, how you care for your loved ones, how you interact with your loved ones that you can't see right now, how um, all the different ways of our routines have been thrown out the window. So now guess what? You get to choose how you're going to respond to creating a new routine Yeah. to how you create what are those new rituals? So um, I think we were talking about this earlier of just how we, we get to look at holidays differently and we get to look at it as an opportunity. Let's, let's try, let's try looking at, Oh, Thanksgiving's going to be different. Oh, Thanksgiving's yeah. going to be different. Let's not look, let's try and look at it. Like Thanksgiving's going to look different. Fact. Thanksgiving is not going to be the same as last year. Fact. Thanksgiving is still going to be a joyful time for us to reflect and celebrate God's blessings. Be grateful. Let's name all the things we're grateful for. That can still happen. Amen. And that is still true. And so I think for us there, you, you have new, we, I, this is probably an overused word opportunity. Yeah. Part of it right now is we can't keep seeing COVID as like, look what you're doing to me. It's much greater than that. Amen. And, but what we do have control over and what we do have to recognize is when we respond that way, we have to figure out why am I responding that way? Why am I saying, why are you doing this to me? Okay. Now you heard in my voice that I'm probably frustrated. (laughs) So in saying that, I realized, huh, what am I frustrated with? I, I am one that love, I am extroverted. I am friend, like I need my friends. I, and I can't freely go and do that right now. I do a lot of zoom calls, which is amazing because I'm still connecting, but there is a, like, there is a difference between a screen and physically being with someone. Right. Yeah. But 
in the reality of do I have safety and connection in order to keep my safety and my connection going, I probably need to be at home for, for me personally. Right. Yeah. Even though it's super, super hard because I just want to be with all the people. Yeah. So like we're, we've, we feel like we're missing out on things, but really we're missing out on these things that m- maybe if we reflect on them, we're distractions. Absolutely. I just said that. And now I'm reflecting on things. I'm like, Oh yeah, those are distractions in my life. Well, like, in, in that, that's why that framing that you use things to me as an example, such a great idea, right? Like, obviously this would be a more fun interview if we were doing this in a studio in a building, right? Sure. But the fact is that we can deal, you know, and the listener can deal with, um, sometimes the audio being scrambled because it's over an internet connection over a, mm-hmm. via an app that most people didn't know existed seven months ago is not taking away from the wisdom that you're offering, right? We are still mm-hmm. able to do the thing. And it mirrors to me what this sort of rallying cry for kids in child discipleship has been of just like, do something with the kids, do something for the kids. And it's, it's hard work not to mourn all that your kids are legitimately losing, but it is mm-hmm. so vital to recognize that that doesn't mean that the story's over. Uh, right. And folks, and I'm not saying don't name the things that are hard. Right. Goodness gracious. Your children need to see that if you're mourning, tell them that you're sad. Yes. Stop trying to trust. <laughs> you don't need to make face for your children. What I'm saying is if you're upset about something, if you're sad, they already know it. So why don't you show them honesty and just say, I'm really sad and here's why I'm sad or I'm really sad and I'm not sure why. Yeah. And in age appropriate ways, even when you're reacting negatively specifically to the pandemic, right? In a way mm-hmm. that you may not be proud of the next day. There's also yep. just such a benefit of being able to walk through that journey with your kids. We have young kids. Yes. Like you and I both have young kids, but I've recognized my daughter is very observant. I mean, I see my husband shaking his head like, yeah, she is. Yeah. She She's so observant. And so she will she can tell when something's happened that I'm not happy about. She'll see my face. Like, I'll be on a meeting like this. She only can hear me. She only can see me. She can't hear you. Right. So she'll be able to see my face and say, Mommy, what's wrong with you? Mommy, why are you sad? Or she knows that I just need physical touch at that moment and she'll come over and give me a hug for no reason except for what she visually saw yeah so it's realizing your kids are already feeling your emotions whether you're saying them or not do them a favor and be honest obviously age appropriately of course but i'm not going to hide the fact that i'm sad with my daughter or my husband because they need to know they need me at their at my best meaning my best is when i'm vulnerable is actually yeah. sharing, I'm upset. That is being your best because you're in tune with your emotions and you're not trying yes. to stuff them and you're not trying to ignore them. You, you're you probably going to recognize that maybe one of your kids needs to be assured more than the other. Uh-huh. You know your kids best. So maybe your son or daughter needs a ton. Like they need to know all the things. They need to know all the facts. They just, they just need them. And you need to share more with them than maybe one of your other kids Yeah. or kids in your ministry. You're going to recognize, Oh, such and such shuts down when they hear this versus this one comes alive. When we bring this up, you're going to start to recognize that in your zoom calls or in your Facebook or whatever your groups, you're going to recognize like, Oh, and you can make note of that and be able to follow up and share with parents. Hey, here's what I noticed. I think what you're doing is great keep talking with them because they need to talk yes. or 
you know, sharing with a parent, like here, I noticed that they got really, really quiet. That's not, that's not a concerning thing. It's just naming like your son or daughter got quiet when we talked about this. That's not something to be concerned about. It's just to say, have you noticed that too? Cause I, and then ask them about it. Right. It's not, this doesn't have to be <laughs> feelings, feelings and disappointments are, don't need to be a taboo topic. Amen. Like you can talk about them. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album, Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk next week.